Provision makes identity management easier by integrating your systems into a single centralized solution that allows banks to oversee user access and mitigate security risks. For more information about Provision Identity Access Management, please visit provisioniam.com. That's provisioniam.com. Hello and welcome to the MBA Today, a podcast all about Maryland banks and bankers, their history, legacy, and the people that make it all happen. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, we are speaking with Michael Allen, president at Harford Bank. Hey, Mike, how's it going? I'm fine, Eric. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Are you, are you having a good good week this week? Well, it's 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 an interesting time to be in banking, that's for sure. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Keep you on your toes is what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Mike, as we have been uh, going through this series, uh, we're celebrating the 125th anniversary of the Maryland Bankers Association. And so we're, we're speaking with folks in, in uh, different banks, different roles. And uh, we want to start off, as we always do, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role there at Harford Bank. Well, I'm president of Harford Bank. I've been with the bank for about five years now. Uh, uh, became president uh, just about two years ago now. Uh, been in banking uh, most of, uh, well, my entire d- adult career. I've spent uh, uh, most of that time in the Maryland market, although I did spend about nine years uh, working for a couple of different community banks up in the Pennsylvania market as well. Uh, really started uh, the, my banking career uh, in the Maryland market back in the mid-80s. Uh, spent many, many years here, uh, as I said, went up to Pennsylvania for uh, for a period of time, but then came back down to Maryland about five years ago. And uh, honestly, this has just been, uh, I had a variety of banking experiences through my career, but this Maryland market has has always been my favorite and has felt most like home to me. So good, good, good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of the roles that you, you have taken in your career uh, over the, the course of your career? I've been fortunate, uh, you know, I, uh, like so many bankers, I kind of ended up in banking accidentally, but it's turned out to be just a just a terrific uh, just a terrific career choice and, and something that I highly recommend to young people if they're if they're undecided about where they want to go. Uh, you know, it requires so many different skills, uh, but it but it accommodates a, a, a variety of different strengths and uh, you know it's just uh, people who would never even consider banking. Uh, it, it's something that I uh, would strongly recommend to them. For me, you know, I, I came out of college with a, with a liberal arts background. But but I've just had the, the, the great uh, fortune to have served in a variety of different roles throughout my career. Started as a as a teller, uh, went uh, ended up uh, as in, in the credit department for uh, the now uh, uh, or the former Mercantile Safe Deposit and Trust Company many years ago, oh, okay. and then just kind of uh, spent the the, the, the the ensuing 35 years working in the retail side. Uh, became a commercial lender. Ended up uh, have served in a variety of roles from the head of head of uh, re- or, uh, commercial banking, retail banking, been chief credit officer, chief lending officer, chief operating officer, and <laughs> ultimately landed uh, in, in the president's role here a, a couple of years ago. It's just been a really, really uh, fortuitous ride for me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think the, the uh, as, as I speak with lots of bankers across the, the industry, it's it, that that sentiment seems to hold true uh, for, for most 
people. It's the, you get that well-roundedness. There's so many uh, different ways you can approach banking. Um, and it's from an outsider's perspective, you may not realize that. And then when you, when you get sucked in, you, you, you realize there's so many things, uh, that you can do in the, in the banking world. It's, as I say, I, I, I've had also the good fortune of spending time with, uh, with uh, younger folks who are uh, in college and, and getting ready to graduate. And I do everything I can to, to make a, a career that, that certainly doesn't sound very, uh, or they, first of all, they don't know much about a banking career. Their exposure to banking obviously is, uh, if, if, you know, either they've been in a branch and they see, you know, how, how the branches work and that's the extent of their knowledge of banking or even more so today, they just have some sort of digital interaction with their banks and may not know, they may even know less about banking now than, than prior generations. So right. yeah, I, I, I really encourage them to, to, to give it a shot. Yeah. A lot of people may never have even walked into a branch though. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your branches. Let's talk about Harford Bank. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the history of the bank and, and uh, particularly its impact on the local community here in Maryland. Yeah, Hartford Bank's got a great history. We're uh, in a few weeks. We'll be celebrating our 57th anniversary. Uh, this bank was uh, created back in 1964 in uh, in Aberdeen. It was created uh, by local uh, Aberdeen business people to serve, uh, you know, business people and and consumers in the Northeast Maryland region. And uh, it's just had a terrific history. Uh, uh, obviously, over the 57 years, it's been a it's been uh, just steady growth for the bank. Uh, we are up to uh, nine branches right now in both Harford and Cecil counties. Uh, we're uh, planning on opening our 10th branch uh, this year in uh, in 2021. So wow. we will be a 10 branch. Uh, you know, uh, we just crossed the 500 million dollar mark in in total assets so it's been a a nice little uh, milestone for us here uh, but it's been a, it's it's been an authentic community bank uh, during its entire time. And we've got a board of directors who are are extremely uh, extremely proud of the organization. Very talented people, all local business people, and uh, very proud of the bank and what it what it does for the community, both from a from a business standpoint and from a philanthropic and, and volunteer standpoint. So, but it, you know, it it's been sort of the classic community banking story. And uh, those of us who have been uh, part of this, and, and I have worked for Harford Bank and competed against Harford Bank for many, many years. So I'm very familiar with the organization. And, and when I say it's an authentic community bank, that, that, is, that is for real. Awesome. So tell me about the experience of opening a 10th branch in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> well, opening a branch period in this environment. I mean, most, uh, most banks are going the other way with that, but you know, we, while we certainly appreciate and encourage, uh, uh, you know, more knowledge and more use of digital uh, access to banking, you know, our, uh, the hallmark of Harford Bank has really been that face-to-face relationship banking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our market and our customer base still really appreciate that. So we uh, kind of going against the, the, the current here. We're going to go, go ahead and open up our, our 10th branch this year. It, uh, it has obviously presented challenges that uh, we don't normally deal with, but We've got a good group of people here. Uh, we've had we've seen some opportunities because some of the larger banks have decided to close down some branches. So it's, 
it's 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 presented us with some opportunities that we may not otherwise have had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we've seen branch activity change abruptly over the past 12 months. There's no question about it. We're certainly not ignoring that. But again, I think uh, we're going through some changes this year that are going to enhance our digital access uh, to the bank. But because we still see that importance uh, that, that our community places on face-to-face interaction, uh, we're confident that opening up another branch in a market that, that we've not been able to serve directly here for uh, the past uh, many years is uh, is the right way to go for us. Right. Is there any, uh, did, did you approach the, uh, the branch interactions any differently? Did you set it up similar to your nine other branches or um, did you treat it more like, a, you know, a digital shop or, or what was that like? Yeah, it's a good question, Eric. We're uh, we're kind of we're kind of sort of straddling that line with it uh, as we as we kind of lay out our plans here. And we we plan to have it open, uh, hope to have it open uh, near the end of the second quarter or the beginning of the third quarter. But we're looking at uh, it, it kind of doing both. I mean, okay. uh, the, certainly the staffing, uh, it, no branch looks like it did 10, 15 years <laughs> ago when it comes to staffing. Um, but when it comes to access points and just the, uh, the sort of the hardware and the technology and things that you that, that you would expect to see in a more modern branch. That's the direction we're going to take here. So we'll be able to accommodate more of that uh, of that uh, digital uh, interaction that that a lot of people want. Uh, but on the other hand, we'll still have the the the, the knowledgeable uh, you know consultative uh, people there to uh, help you when you want to come in and sit down and, and talk to somebody. So we're gonna we're gonna try to have the best of both worlds there. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit more about the local community there. And I know you said, you know, it's been a staple. The bank's been a staple for nearly 60 years um, in in the area there. Um, what what kind of activities do you, you and your staff get involved in in the area? You name it. Uh, it virtually everything that uh, that you can think of uh, from a from a, a volunteer standpoint, uh, financial support, uh, community leadership. And this is a you know, this is certainly not something that's new to the organization. My predecessor, uh, Chuck Jacobs, had uh, you know, just you talk about a guy who's committed to community uh, and, and this organization and, and his predecessor before also was very committed. But Chuck really took it to the next level and uh, has uh, just really set the tone for this organization so that you have virtually well certainly all of our management uh, uh, team is uh, is deeply involved in, in in a wide variety of different organizations and if our people are personally involved with those organizations and certainly we're going to be do, you know offering uh, financial support to those organizations but yeah we, uh, we we're, we're partners in in hundreds of different uh, philanthropic uh, type endeavors. Uh, I think we're we're, fo- we're trying to focus a little bit more on uh, food insecurity, which is, mm-hmm. has certainly become more of an issue for us, uh, for, for the entire country, I think. But but, right. but certainly in our region, it's something that, that has become more of a concern for us over the past year. So we've, we've tried to uh, direct a little bit more of our attention in that direction, uh, homelessness. And, uh, and honestly, if you look at our distribution of our traditional branch network here we really kind of heavy along the uh, the southwest uh, border of of, uh, of Harford County which uh, is along the route 40 corridor and uh, it's an area that we really we really want to see uh, we want to help accelerate the economic revitalization of that area so we're paying a little bit more attention to that in that direction as well that's great. 
Well, Mike, as you know, we're celebrating the 125th anniversary of the Maryland Bankers Association, as we as we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, so we're asking each guest this question. Uh, tell us about the changes that you've witnessed across the landscape of banking over your time in the industry. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's a very different place. You know, I've been in banking for going on forty years now, and when when I, you know, the changes have happened gradually. So it, it really, when you do take a step back and think about what it was like to be a banker uh, back in the mid '80s and versus what it is now, it's just completely different. Uh, you know, particularly as a community banker in the regulatory environment uh, that you had back then, you could. You know, those personal relationships and the character of the people that you were dealing with, uh, you were able to take that into into consideration and, 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 and place a lot more emphasis on that when you were making decisions such as credit decisions. And, you know, I think as the regulatory environment has changed uh, over the years, and, and some of it's been necessary, but I think one of the byproducts has been that uh, it, just the, the character element and the personal relationships that you had and, and some of the risks that you were able to take based on the fact that you've known these people uh, maybe your entire life. Uh, it's become a little bit more of a challenge to do that over time. And I think, you know, so as a community banker, my answer would be, I think you just, it, it, because we've formalized and and regulated uh, to a greater degree some of these interactions we've had with our customer bases, I think it's uh, it's made it a little bit more difficult uh, to, 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 to uh, serve the community in the way that we used to do, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think others have echoed that same kind of uh, seeing that same kind of change over the course of their careers. Anything else stand out to you about the change in banking over the last 20, 30 years? Yeah, well, I don't, you know, I think uh, I mentioned the digital component of it. I mean, this right. is, yeah, you know, for, I, that, well, I mean, you, you can deposit a check through your phone right now. Now that that's just second nature to everybody at this point, but just t- 10 years ago, you know, even 10 years ago, who would have thought that we'd be doing things like this? So the, the digital acceleration has been, has been uh, really interesting and, and exciting. Uh, but it, boy, gosh, these are things we wouldn't have even imagined back when I got into banking. Right. Right. Was, was Harford, um, ready for that when the pandemic hit or were you, did you have to ramp up a lot of the digital elements when, when that happened? No, we were ready. Uh, and again, I'll give a lot of, a lot of credit to my predecessor, Chuck Jacobs. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we do as a community bank, we, what we do best is, is that sort of face-to-face banking, but we also knew you, you have to be, uh, able to compete in that digital world if you're gonna if you're gonna grow with your with your market base and Chuck uh, saw that and really kind of pushed us down that path. So from a uh, from a, a capability standpoint, uh, digitally we were ready to go. Um, now again, I, I think we had obviously we had to pivot when it came to uh, enabling our folks to work remotely and things like that on the, from you know from an internal standpoint. But when it came to you know how our customers could interact with us digitally and remotely, we were ready and uh, we had the products and services in place. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned remote work. Do you, do you think that's going to continue or do you expect that to kind of subside and go back to, to traditional office work? <laughs> 
it's it, obviously it's the question of the day. My personal feeling is I'd like to see us be able to accommodate a little of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, you know wherever we land here will be somewhere in the middle. I think that the ability to work remotely has been a has been just a huge benefit to, to a lot of our people. Obviously, we've got positions here that you just can't do that with. So you know, it's not everybody, but we have a fair amount number of people who uh, showed that they could. They could make that. They could adapt to that. Uh, they could make that switch. Uh, technologically, we were able to accommodate it. Looking at it now, you know, the one piece that I do worry about is that from a cultural standpoint and, and just sort of a, a, a camaraderie standpoint, I, I do want to see people back in here with a little bit more regularity, uh, just so that we continue to cultivate those personal relationships and we're working together as a team and we don't lose that. But you can, I think you can do that uh, while still accommodating, you know, a a few days of of remote work a week. So I think we're going to land somewhere in the middle here. Yeah, no, that's a great point. The, uh, the freedom and the flexibility that remote work provides is a great thing, but then how do you balance culture and, and your brand? That's, that's a really important balancing act for, for it is it is and, the other, and frankly uh, and I, I know i'm not alone in this but i do worry sometimes that we've got a fair number of our of our employees that uh, I, I you know traditionally i know there was you know remote work for a lot of people equated to the ability to, to slough off maybe but <laughs> uh, i never worried about that with our team and but what i found uh, what i do worry about is that our team some members of our team run the risk of just working themselves to death mm-hmm. now yeah. that they don't really have a, a way to separate they they a lot of them don't so yep. <laughs> part that, that's a part we need to temper as well yeah no that's a great point yeah burnout is certainly uh, a, a factor that we have to take it into is. account but uh and 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 you're right like it's it's something you wouldn't have thought you i think i think uh the ability to do remote work has existed for a while and we sure. didn't for the fear of lack of productivity and and it right. kind of the opposite was what happened so it's kind of interesting it is interesting <laughs> so mike as you know the final question that we've been asking folks uh for for the nba is as you know they they play a large role in helping promote the strength and success of maryland banks and the bankers that work within those banks um can you talk a little bit about what the nba has meant to you over your career you know, the MBA has been uh, just an invaluable resource uh, for me personally and for the banks that I've worked with over the years. And I've had the I've had the great, uh, again, good fortune to work in two different states and be involved in the in, in the, uh, the banking associations in both states. Uh, but I, I would tell you that uh, the Maryland Bankers Association is just uh, is unparalleled, particularly what they're able to do with a, with a, a relatively small staff. But boy, what a bunch of talented people! And it, you know, I think the piece that maybe over time I've grown to appreciate the most is just the uh, the advocacy that, that that they've provided us. Now, you know, Maryland Bankers offers a full array of of, the, of, of training resources. Uh, you know, knowledge sharing opportunities, uh, you know, uh, with, with different kinds of uh, preferred vendors and other services, just the, the types of things that really a community bank in particular really benefits from. But the, I think, in my opinion, Maryland bankers' particular skill set is uh, is really uh, sharp on the advocacy side, and it has been so meaningful to us as an industry. Uh, and just the, 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 just to listen, and, I, and I've had the good fortune to be part of the Government Relations Committee 
for the past couple of years with uh, with Maryland bankers and just to to see the grasp of the topics that this crew has at Maryland bankers and to see the energy and the vigor with which they approach their interactions with the legislators uh, it's just stunning and, and and watching them able to, to to juggle all of the issues all of the legislation and particularly in a state like Maryland where you, you're trying to push through a a lot of material in a very limited num- uh, amount of time. It's almost it, it, it's almost an unmanageable task, and these guys make it look effortless. <laughs> so I, I would tell you that uh, they they offer a whole range of support for banking, but that advocacy piece is the, is the piece that probably has impressed me the most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, having that partner um, that helps all of us. Uh, can I push the ball down the road um, and, and improve and, and stay strong together, I think is a, a really important piece and, and is very valuable. Hugely important. And, you know, and again, in, in a smaller state with a, with a, a declining pool of, of independent uh, Maryland based banks, uh, you know, we, we watch our, uh, our resources become more and more limited <laughs> Um, yeah. but boy, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's such a comfort knowing that we can fall back on that Maryland bankers and we do, we rely on them for so much. And, and you know, I, I kind of glossed over the training aspect of things, but, but they are such an important partner with us uh, when it comes to, to training and they offer such a wide array of, of resources in that regard as well. That also has been invaluable to us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you again for your time. Do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? I don't. I, I, I other than uh, you know, it's been it's uh, for 125 years is a pretty impressive record for any organization, and uh, I think that uh, it, again, I've had the good fortune of being uh, associated with Maryland bankers for many years, and uh, I, I just I, I, I certainly wish them the happiest of anniversaries here. But uh, I just cannot overemphasize the importance they play to the banking industry in this state, and uh, certainly hoping for. Uh, you know, uh, hoping for uh, an equally as successful next 125 years for the, for the organization. Definitely. Michael Allen, president at Hartford Bank. I want to sincerely thank you again for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Appreciate the opportunity, Eric. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting our website, mdbankers.com slash podcast. You can also always leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to mbapodcast at mdbankers.com. The Maryland Bankers Association is the leading advocate, trusted partner, and exceptional resource for Maryland banks in the banking industry. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more MBA Today. Until then, remember, together we represent one voice. And as an industry, we make a positive difference in the communities that we serve. Have a great week. The 125th podcast series is brought to you exclusively by Provision IAM. Managing employee identity has become the foundation of a bank's information security plan. And now you can manage your user identities by automating role-based permissions. Provision is built for community banks, safeguard your systems, ensure regulatory compliance, and slash audit prep time. Schedule a demo or learn more about Provision Identity Access Management. Go to provisioniam.com.